0: Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser and so glad that you tuned in today. Trust that you are safe and well has a lot changed since our last podcast in March. I don't think any of us could have predicted what has happened and how quickly things continue to change. Uh, In my interview with David Hazard of the International Office of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we talk about this whiplash effect of change that has happened in church world, Uh, in Canada and, of course, around the world. We talk about some of the biggest questions he's getting as he's connected with leaders all across the country, how we should be budgeting for the next three to six months, uh, where this is all headed and how the church is going to reemerge. He's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of faith, and you're going to be encouraged by the things that he has to say in the interview. It's coming up right now. It's been a long time coming trying to get you on this podcast. You're a busy guy. How are you today?
1: I am well, Paul, and great to chat with you today.
0: It's, uh, it, this is a familiar thing for me because obviously when uh, I come out to Toronto, uh, sometimes I get the opportunity to stay with you, so uh, it's like people get to jump in on our conversations that we have at your house.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic, and we always have good conversations, Paul, <laughs> and you never know Uh, what the genesis of a uh, conversation uh, will lead to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, always, always good stuff and love your wisdom. And so that's what we're going to dive into a little bit today is uh, some, some things that have been going on lately. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been some changes in our world. Uh, What's the last three to four weeks been like in your role at international
1: office? Well. Yes. Like everyone else in the world, um, I've been shifting rapidly to accommodate a new reality. And without question, uh, the international office has changed. While we are certainly open for business and we're online and we're connecting via Zoom, the office itself is closed as we endeavor to honor the uh, directives of our government and the medical community and maintain uh, a social distance. So, so, you know, the word I keep hearing is pivot. If yep. I hear it too many more times, I'm going to die. But uh, <laughs> everybody's transitioning, everybody's changing, and, uh, and we are pivoting like that operative word indicates. I, I, I would say also, Paul, that, um, you know, personally, um, I, I am walking in this season uh, as a person with great faith, I believe that God is with us. In fact, I believe that as, um, as Joseph said to his brothers, God will work all things to good. Like God is not going to waste his time uh, on coronavirus 19. It's going to be a platform by which he directs glory to himself. But like everyone else, I would be filled with faith, but yet have perplexity. Yeah, and the perplexity is that uh, I'm not exactly sure what will the what all the changes will look like as we move through uh, coronavirus 19 in the year 2020. Such a fascinating, it's such a fascinating season to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm just enjoying the journey. And uh, like uh, like most, I'm looking at the macro picture, uh, seeking uh, wisdom. Yeah, And what we will see uh, as a result of this, but the micro picture for me is I am multitasking to ensure ministries find a stable future. And I think one of the things that I would say is that um, governments, societies, and families are all asking the question, so what really is essential? I think churches are asking that question. I think denominations and fellowships like the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we too need to ask the question. So what is really essential uh, for us to lean into with our human resources and our financial resources? Yeah. So what's the biggest question you're getting
0: these days?
1: Well, you know, I've had the privilege of chatting with uh, leaders across the country and down into the states as well, texting with a few overseas, and there seems to be a common thread in the questions that are surfacing, and it's uh it's what will the church look like on the other side of coronavirus. Yeah. Um everybody seems to be recognizing the reality of what we're facing today. But uh, the, the larger question is, is how will society adjust after this? And how will the church be able to serve into the new expression of society? And what will the church actually um, be positioned uh, to do as we serve people? And that seems to be the, the primary uh, question that I'm hearing. Uh, around the world and across Canada.
0: Well, in a little bit, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper with you on that because that that seems to be a question that comes up in the conversations. I'm a part of you know, I think this is a a wonderful opportunity for the church to reset and and be of value to uh, our culture again, be relevant to our culture again. And wouldn't it be great? Uh, you know when when this season passes that culture in Canada looks back and says, "Wow, look what the church in Canada did during this during this crisis." But obviously, uh, you're very aware, of the financial picture in the stock markets and you help manage funds and pensions and our international budget. So finances are a huge concern for most churches. What advice are you giving them uh, as it relates to navigating these next three to six months?
1: Well, I think the first advice whenever we talk about finances is to recognize its power in our own lives. You know, Jesus talked about you cannot serve God nor mammon. And he elevates finances to a place of uh, idolatry, actually, where our hearts can be given to how much money we have or how much money we don't have. And it becomes this uh, this preoccupation all surrounding money. Interestingly, after Jesus in, in Matthew chapter six talked about, uh, can't serve God nor Mammon. He shifted into the birds of the air. They don't toil, they don't right. they don't spend a lot of time thinking about things that aren't really important. They trust the Heavenly Father. Yeah so I think for me and for friends that I've talked to is in terms of money, in our personal lives, in our families, and especially in the church, let's not worry about that. Let's trust God. That God will continue to be God as he has through 2,000 years of church history. Yeah. And he will yes. supply what is needed. I love, the, uh, I love the old quote from Hudson Taylor, who said that uh, we can depend on this. That's his, his preface. We can depend on this. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. And so we're in this reshaping of, of what God's work will be, what it will look like. Uh, and I think we can be confident that we'll never lack God's supply. So my first appeal to friends, to my own heart, is um, it's not really about the money. It's about trusting God.
0: And that, that is something that comes up over and over in conversations I have with you, is your faith level. Like uh, in your own personal journey, you speak faith to things. Um, One of the things that I've said uh, to people over the years is um, sometimes it's hard to get people who know a lot about finances to talk about faith. (laughs) Because faith and finances, you know, not don't always go together, you know, the realist personality. And that is one thing I've always loved about our conversations. You speak faith first. And I think that's important, certainly in your role, in what you're doing and just reminding us to trust in God
1: again. Yeah. And, and I believe that faith uh, connected to and married to Uh, divine wisdom is going to see the church move forward with great clarity and great confidence into the future. But I do offer practical advice to churches. And that's uh, true. And I'm encouraging churches and and ministries that there would be value in developing what I call three budgets. Budget number one is the budget of a best case scenario. What would it look like Uh, If we were able to meet again at the end of April or in early May and everyone's coming back together and everybody is rejoicing in the fact that congregations can gather again, that would be wonderful. And what giving would look like if we were able to congregate again and individuals were growing in a sense of confidence and trust and relationship, face-to-face relationship again. And I believe that that will encourage increased giving. So develop, develop a budget that is based on what I call the best case scenario. Let me go to budget number three. Budget number three is the, uh, the, the scenario with the greatest challenge. Yeah. It's, it's the budget that none of us like to think about, but we really have, have to if we're going to be uh, godly people. Right. We we as God's people, we have never uh, cowered from the magnitude of challenges. Right. We have looked them square in the eye and we've responded appropriately. So what happens if we don't meet again until Christmas or January the 1st, 2021? Yeah. What what will our budget look like then? And then we need to develop what I call a a realistic budget. This would be budget number two and it's in the middle of budget one and budget three. Yeah. So budget two is kind of a realistic budget. So, so I think realistically likely we'll be meeting again by September. Uh, we're just not sure how long, uh, you know, social distancing will be the order of the day. And, um, so let's plan on a budget where we're gathering together in September. So that would require us to adjust expenditures based on the three perceptions of what reality could look like and be prepared to make the hard decisions that will ensure that when we do get back together, um, we're actually viable.
0: One of the things I was, I think that's great to put those three budgets together. One of the things I was talking with uh, one of our district guys yesterday was the fact that how we went from, you know, gatherings of no more than 250, then 100, then 50. In Alberta, it's down to 10. Can't have more than 10. Um, And that happened very quickly. I don't, we chatted about this. I actually don't see us moving that quickly back to 250 or even 500. I think that's going to affect our bigger churches because if what happens if we're back in September and we can only meet 250 at a time and you've got a church of 1,000 or 1,500 or, you know, I think the bigger churches might have a, a have a have a longer ramp before they're all meeting together how they used to. I think the smaller churches that are maybe two hundred or less will probably be able to meet in full force much quicker. Have you given any thought to that?
1: Well, one thing I do recognize is that uh, spirit filled leaders are incredibly creative, and without question. And I am watching it, and you're watching it as well, Paul, across the nation. The, the, the spirit-led creativity of our credential holders is it's absolutely inspiring to watch what our pastors and leaders are doing. And I think if, uh, if there is a graduated uh, number by which we can meet, I think large churches are going to go to multiple services, and they might have a service every night of the week to accommodate those that could join and still serve God's people in a creative way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to require some creativity. There's no doubt about that. Um, As we talk about the creativity and you're watching it on Facebook, you're hearing stories from different people. I think our churches are responding, some of them, really well. But in your opinion, what do you think is missing in the church's response to the COVID-19 crisis.
1: I'm not sure there's um, anything particularly missing at this moment, but here's what I do see. I'm well aware of the call to prayer that is a result of COVID-19, and how inspiring to see Italians on the street, kneeling before god and calling on the name of the lord and it's happening in brazil it's happening in other countries as well like that's incredibly inspiring and the and the uh online prayer meetings that we are all a part of that's fantastic as well i see a lot of encouragement in the in the online services primarily for believers And that's healthy. But where I see us transitioning is that I believe that we're going to see the encouragement for believers um, transition into evangelism. And evangelism itself will move to the front burner. We will stay connected as bodies, but it's, it's reaching hearts and inviting them to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, that I think is going to become a front burner issue in the in the next couple of weeks.
0: I I think it needs to. Um, that's one thing that I mean uh, if you look at our stats and you look at other denomination stats and you know of people new people coming to Christ making a decision for the first time, we've seen you know incremental growth, on that end. I hope out of this crisis that there'll be a greater heart for us to want to connect with our neighbors, uh, get to know our neighbors, be involved in their lives, um, and that this indeed would turn from just, uh, you know, a crisis of, hey, we're not meeting in person. Uh, we've got some financial issues. I, I hope this awakens the church to to what's really important and to be honest with you that's making disciples that's what Jesus seemed to indicate was was the job one job one wasn't to uh you know just kind of hold down the fort till he returns it no the the gospel needs to advance and uh I like I like that thought uh, how do you think we could do that
1: well let's call it Paul two meter evangelism let's call it (laughs) let's call it social distant distant but spiritual connection yeah um and i i think i'm i'm normal uh with many of the listeners i am finding it so easy to have spiritual conversations today yeah like i was i was in a small group of people i think there were four of us they have to be neighbors up at up at our cottage and i walked in and just to make sure everybody was doing okay and everybody was two meters apart and and uh like i didn't even have to raise it and they're asking me about scripture they're asking me about you know how does this play into what they think the bible might have to say yeah well those are golden opportunities and yeah. all we need to do is listen carefully to the nudges of the Spirit, and we're going to see an amazing harvest yeah. as the focus moves from not only strengthening the body, but how do we, how do we expand the body by inviting others into uh, God's forever family?
0: Yeah, there's, there's no question about that, that people are asking these questions, and hopefully our people followers of Christ would have answers. Um, What do you think, uh, what's the biggest question? Now we'll talk about the future of the church and we've, we've dabbled a little bit, but let's, uh, you've seen lots of trends. You've been in church world, you know, I'm not going to say your age, but (laughs) you've been in church world a long time. You've seen lots of trends. What's the biggest question rolling around in your head about the future of the church in Canada?
1: Yeah, great question, Paul. And and by the way, now that the Canadian dollar is significantly softer, I am calculating my age in U.S. funds. So <laughs> I'm I'm really only fifty now, nice. and it, it feels pretty good. Um, you know, I I think we need to come back to Jesus and listen to Jesus' promise, where He said in in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. I will build my church, and I think we we need to rest in the fact that it may look different, but there is going to be a church, and we need to hold on to that promise. The other thing we need to hold on to is the fact that the church survived and thrived during periods of historic pandemics. And pandemics are not new, they're not new to the world, and they're certainly not new to the ministry of the church. And the church has excelled in ministry. So I believe the the hope of Jesus' promise and the enduring tenacity historically of the church position us to say, okay, there will be a church, but but what what will it look like? I have a feeling that, um, as I mentioned earlier, Paul, that the church is going to be uh more focused on the essentials of yeah. the faith, and there will be some peripheral things, some good things that we have adopted and embraced even and I think some of those will fall by the wayside as we only have a certain amount of energy and human resources to hold on to the best things, so the good is going to give way to the best and If I can, um, if I can uh, mention a couple of things, I think the church is going to be uh, more organic and less structured. I think the, uh, the internet is, is providing a way for us to engage with each other in meaningful ways and, uh, and enjoy relationship together. And i I wonder if coming out of this, if the church isn't going to ramp up its internet online uh availability to people and provide alternative uh times to meet the old ten o'clock on Sunday morning or eleven o'clock on Sunday morning, I think it will remain but the the creative options are going to uh become part of the new reality and and I think that faith is going to come back to uh, the irreductible minimums uh, that Carl F. Henry talked about where the focus, the focus isn't on peripheral issues. The focus is on the, the core of the Christian faith and uh, the basics, redemption through Jesus blood, fullness of the spirit, the Lordship of Christ, uh, the sovereignty of God, And and a number of other things that perhaps we have embraced or or pursued, um, we may not have time for. We may not be able to to actually facilitate them. And then taking those truths, packaging them together to encourage one another and to reach the lost, that is going to uh, simplify and profoundly strengthen the church, in my view.
0: How important do you think adaptability and flexibility? Uh, is going to be key for churches moving forward?
1: Well, I, I think it's going to be important, but I think, I think the, the new reality is going to force us whether we like it or not, and right. some of the, the potential uh, financial implications will be forced to reflect on new and creative ways that we can engage but uh, but I come back, you know, to the flourishing of the church in China, for example, that has gone through waves of oppression, and that church continues to flourish. I mean, they are right now in a season of challenge, significant challenge. The government is tearing down their meeting places. You, you see the pictures of these big... Um, these big bulldozers pushing down churches, do they really think they're going to stop (laughs) the church? I mean, really? Yeah. Really? The church in China is going to move forward with increased power as a result of the attempt to to thwart its ministry. And uh, I I see the same uh, coming out of coronavirus. I don't see this as a season of the weakening of the church I see it as a season of the strengthening of the church Come on. and pushing the church into, into its core values, its core purpose, yep. and, uh, and yep. we will move forward through this with even increased power. The verse I mentioned to one of the groups I was, um, I was online with uh, recently was, let's just agree to live in Ephesians 6.10 where we will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on. And we will watch that strength come to our lives personally. And then we will watch his strength in us uh, influence others who are watching the Christian community carefully and wondering, wow, where do you, where do you folks get your calmness, your hope, your peace? Yeah. So a great opportunity. The church is going to be stronger as a result of this, in my view.
0: Thanks, David. that is a helpful word, I think, for people who uh you know are feeling the fear of what's this going to be like how's this going to change how's this going to affect right. me uh but we put our faith in something uh more certain than uh prognosticators <laughs> of of what people think it's going to be or what it isn't going to be um, today's podcast may be finding people in all sorts of situations what other words of encouragement would you give them today?
1: Well, I would say I would say that believers shine in hours of crisis. That's that's historical. That the church rises to the occasion in any challenge, and it offers hope and help. We are people who have our hands up and worship to God, and we are people who offer our hand to help our neighbor. And I believe, I believe that uh, God will continue to work through us. The believers are going to be strong in this hour. I believe that believers are going to continue to be generous. I mean, Paul, you asked me about uh, finances earlier. I'm reminded of my time where I served in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, for three, and a, three, three years. And do you know that believers in Kenya do not get a tax receipt for their giving? they give anyway my point is believers are going to give because they're believers because jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive right so i i would just encourage all of us stay on the front edge of of generosity yeah Uh, if you'll allow me a little story paul a good friend of mine in the 2008 downturn he was in prayer one day and he said this to me confidentially he said Well, I was I was telling the Lord that uh, I could relax on my giving because the economy had turned uh, uh, softer. And the Lord said to him, don't you think I'm able to provide for you as much uh, even in a time of downturn? Uh, Don't limit my ability to bless you. So he actually felt that he needed to continue not only tithing on what his revenue was, and it was reduced. He, yep. needed to, he needed to continue giving and live in generosity based on how the Lord could bless him through the season. And that was an incredible lesson to me from uh, a, a good friend, a layman yep. in business who was just continuing to, to trust the Lord. Maybe a final word, Paul, is that um, I, see, I see believers offering four Cs the four Cs.
0: Okay, to, here we go.
1: To culture and society. So, you know, being a good Pentecostal communicator, it has to be alliterated.
0: Are you going to end? On. Are you going to end with a poem as well?
1: <laughs> no, but there's a picture of the sunset. I'm a missionary. There's okay. a picture of the sunset over the over the uh, over the trees. Okay, what are the four Cs? Here they are. The first one is we engage this with calm. With calm. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So we walk in a calmness that, that and I, I, I was really impressed with the queen and how calm she was as she communicated. And I believe that as God's, God's people, particularly we as leaders, that we approach conversations, we approach opportunities to share. And there's a calmness about our heart. Yeah. And a calmness in our spirit. The second C is, is we're caring. We're caring. We're not tone deaf to the pressures and concerns that other people are having. And we approach our conversations where we're not looking just to talk. We're looking to listen. We're yeah. looking to find out what's going in the heart, going on in the heart of the people that we're connecting with. Yeah. And uh and we care, we show genuine care. That's what the Christian church has excelled at in previous pandemics, and we're going to do the same. The the third C I've already mentioned, and you and I uh laughed about it a bit, is the creativity of spirit-filled leaders. Yeah. It's a season for for beautiful creativity, and I think that we're going to see expressions of gospel communication come to the fore that perhaps we hadn't even thought of before right so i am seeking to live in that creativity the final one is that we will courageously uh share the faith yeah and we will step we will step out of ourselves because this coronavirus this pressure that is going on in the world it's not about us it's about us being god's servants in god's time and how can we cre- uh, creatively and courageously lean into the conversations that we all can have yeah. with precious people, family members, yeah. neighbors, and uh, and see Jesus glorified in, in this season. So, yeah, let's do it together.
0: Yeah, I love those four C's, man. That's so great. Again, just I'm encouraged. Every time I talk to you, I'm encouraged. Glad you're able to jump on with us today. And and to speak uh like such faith-filled language in in a place where worry and anxiety in our culture are uh you know it's certainly increasing and i think as people listen to it they'll 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 hear this too that you use scripture like i don't know oh. how many i don't know how many scriptures you probably even don't even know but i'm just so taken back like here's a point here's a scripture Here's a thought. Here's a scripture. I know you're in the word lot. And that's a reminder, I think, to all of us in this time, is if you want to be able to speak faith-filled language, you have to be in the word. Do you have any comments about that?
1: A wise man once said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So so I think, I think walking as men and women and young people of faith today is really important. But faith doesn't just uh, fall out of the sky. Yeah. I mean we have to apply our hearts to, to to growing in faith to seeking God to be filled with faith, to be filled with his word and um, and understand the faithfulness of God through history. There's no no time, no time to be fearful, no time to lament what was. yeah it's time to lean with anticipation and hope into what will be and what God, who is the creator of all things, what God will create as a result of coronavirus uh, 19.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think I was in a conversation with you recently. I think it was maybe a lead team meeting we had and you said something to the effect of, I'm so excited to be leading in this time of uncertainty and you literally do get. Excited about how God's going to work these things together for good. How uh, we all have a role to play. We can be learners. We can be communicators. But we're always disciple makers. We're always faith-filled people that speak with faith-filled language. And just want to thank you for your leadership. Thank uh, you know to you and Stacy, and uh, for the many years that you guys have just leaned into this fellowship and also I don't know if people know this but you uh, recently finished your doctorate
1: uh, yes that was a year ago right now so very yeah. grateful to have that journey uh, behind me and that was a that was um, a strengthening journey and an expanding journey in my own life and very grateful for the privilege of studying and uh, and contributing to our fellowship through research that i uh completed
0: yeah and you know maybe that's another uh podcast that we could do is just because i you know when we were talking about your doctorate and the importance of integrity in leadership and ministry um that would be worth another podcast maybe that we could we could just maybe unpack a little bit of of your research and learning
1: sure paul happy to chat about that all right Back to your comment about uh, about leading today, when I was a young pastor, I was pastoring Edmonton Evangel at the time, I came across a quote. And if you remember, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was a time of incredible transition in the church as well. And just the world was changing, things were changing. And the quote I came across, and I can't recall who said it, he said, these are the days that great leaders wish they could have lived. I think that there are a lot of great leaders who have passed on. They wish they could have been involved in leadership right now, right here, in this season. and And let me let me conclude, Paul, by thanking God for giving me health and strength. Yeah, that I'm able to lean into uh, the challenge of leadership with you and with friends across this. Nation and friends down in the states as well, I'm just so honored to be breathing to be with you and uh and doing what I can do to encourage hearts and to think clearly about what the future is going to look like uh with so many other precious friends i'm I'm grateful to be shoulder to shoulder in the trenches right now
0: yeah, yeah, well, thanks so much for being a voice in my life and and Corey's Uh, and our family. Um, We love you guys and are grateful. Thanks also for being a voice in our fellowship and to other leaders, and for being a part of our podcast today. We so appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, Paul. Anytime.